Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Honestly, this is a beautiful time of year every year at Believer's Church because we, we always endeavor to do something in the new years. We kind of put the old behind us. We just endeavor to refocus on the things that matter the most. And so this is really what this series, Just Jesus, was birthed out of. And it honestly, it started about a year ago when I was heading into the year 2017. And, and like all of us do in our times with God, I just started like looking deep inside and saying, man, like there are some things that I'm doing pretty well with, I'm doing okay. But there are honestly some things, if I'm being really transparent and really honest, there are some things in my life that as I look at God's word and I look at Jesus, I don't look a whole lot like him in this area of my life. And so God just started dealing with me and kind of spent the whole year showing me some different things. And, and toward the end of the year, I was talking with Pastor Joan. We we're like, man, this can be a series that really would help some people. And so today, that's my prayer for you. And, um, and here, here's what I've noticed. I actually, I want to read to you a scripture. Uh, this probably wasn't like a memory verse in children's church, not one of the most popular verses out there, but I think it'll help us get where we're going. Nonetheless, it's Deuteronomy 4.2. Listen to this. So simple, but so profound. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. And as I read this over a year ago now, there was just something about it that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just started thinking, man, is this something that I'm doing in my relationship with God? Because I think this is a human tendency, and I think that it was happening with God's people in the Bible, and I think it can happen with God's people now. Do we, this is just a question that maybe you can ask yourself, do we sometimes start out with all the right intentions, with a simple gospel, just Jesus, but just somewhere along the way, it becomes Jesus plus. We add some things into our relationship, and, and maybe they're not really essential, but, but we start to clutter our relationship with God. Or maybe the opposite can happen, and it's Jesus minus. We start to take some things away. And maybe it's because those things make us uncomfortable, or they require a sacrifice we're not willing to make. But it's Jesus plus, or it's Jesus minus. And let me just reason with you. This is what God said so strongly to me. If it's Jesus plus or Jesus minus, it really isn't Jesus at all. Actually, I'll prove it to you. There's, there's so many moments in the Bible where, where this is addressed. And one of them was with the Apostle Paul. And you have to remember what an apostle would do. Uh, he started many of the churches uh, that, are, that, are, that are in the Bible. And so he would go from one town to the next. He would raise up a pastor. He would get them started, get them going, launch the church, and then he would move on to the next city. And so they would start off with this simple gospel, but somewhere along the way, word would get back to Paul that they had veered off of where they started, that they were drifting away. And so one such occasion is in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 through 4. Listen to what Paul says. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach, listen, this is important, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or even a different kind of gospel than the one you believe. And here's another example. This is Paul talking to the church in Galatia. So it's called Galatians. It's Galatians 1.6. And he says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning 
to a different gospel. Listen to this part, which is really no gospel at all. If it's Jesus plus or Jesus minus, it's really not Jesus at all. It's got to be just Jesus. And so that's our heart and our prayer for Believer's Church in every one of our lives that this year it would be just Jesus. Now, at the end of the summer, uh, my family, we got to celebrate a really cool moment. Uh, My sister, Deanna, and my brother-in-law, Corey, they got married. And so they were going to get married in South Carolina. And I don't know if y'all remember what was happening in South Carolina right around September this year. There was a hurricane. And so we were kind of wondering, are we even going to be able to go there for the wedding? And so somehow, miraculously, this hurricane blew through and we were able to still have this wedding. It was enough, uh, far enough inland to where like we could, we could go there and it really didn't affect anything. And so we went there a few days early and we got some beach days. And so I'm hanging out with my kids. And uh, if you don't know my family, I have an eight-year-old named Joey and a six-year-old named Riley and then my wife, Erin. And we got to go to Corey's parents' beach house where they had rented for the week. And, and they invited us to come swim uh, on the beachfront. And so we get there and remember a hurricane just blew through. So the tide was really high. There were these docks that had to weigh tons and they were just like pummeled, like just laying flattened and, and cracked uh, down the middle. And, and then the, the surf was really bad, but we said, hey, we're going we're gonna to swim. And so we found a spot that wasn't too bad. And of course, because my kids don't live by the beach and this was their first time swimming in the ocean, we had to have kind of a little bit of a training session, right? And so my uncle Graham actually grew up in Los Angeles. And so he had a little bit more experience with swimming in the waves in, in the ocean. And so he said, hey, let me give you a couple of pointers. And so he tells us the the one thing that you have to really watch out for when you are swimming in the ocean, it's different than a lake. It's different than anything you've ever experienced because you can do this thing called drifting and not even realize you're doing it. And so he started to explain to us what that meant. And he said, you can start out right in front of of your beach towel and your cooler and your umbrella and your sandcastle. And you can kind of just get into swimming and the waves keep crashing on you and the sun's beating down on you and you're having an amazing time. And then all of a sudden you look up and where you started is way off in the distance because you slowly over time drifted away from where you started. And so he said, that's not a big deal, but here's the biggest challenge. Drifting can lead to drowning. And sometimes people will get so far out into sea and they finally look up and it's too far away for them to get back and they're exhausted. They take in too much water and they actually drown because they drifted to that point. And so he said, here's the cool part. There's an easy solution to make sure you don't drift. He said, all that you have to do is find a fixed point on the beach that will not move. And every so often, just look up at the fixed point and then you readjust accordingly. And if you start to feel yourself drifting away, look up and and you just go right back to where you started. And if you drift away a little bit more, just keep going right back to where you started. And so we did that and we made our beach spot the place where we kept looking. It was this immovable object. And I, I just heard God saying to me as I thought about this, I think this is what's happening with my church sometimes. I think sometimes we start off with all the right intentions and it's a simple gospel. It's just Jesus. We're right in center, right in line with what Jesus wants and who he is. But, but over the course of time, because of the distractions in life and because of all the waves that hit us and all the things that can take our focus and attention off of what matters the most, we can just look up and we're like, man, I am nowhere near where I started. 
Some of you, you came to church this morning kind of feeling like that. You're like, man, I haven't been here in a long time or, or, or man, like I've been here every week, but there's just something deep inside of me that makes me feel like I'm drifting away from where I started. And I love, I love the solution being that we have to keep our eyes on an immovable object because last time I checked, Jesus is the rock of our salvation. He's immovable. He never changes. And no matter how much your life changes and no matter how much everything shifts around you, if you can fix your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith, I promise you, you will not drift and you will not drown. And so that's what this message in this series is all about. We, we want to just position our hearts in a place where we can say, hey, it really is just Jesus. It's a simple gospel. So I want to talk to you about these two categories, and I would highly encourage you to take notes uh, because I think that God's going to maybe, as we go through this message, highlight a thing or two in your life that maybe you are taking away from the simple gospel, or maybe you're adding to it, just in the same way that he did in my own life. So here's the first category. Let's talk about Jesus minus. What are the things that we are taking away from our relationship with God? Uh, this kind of reminds me of something that I do with my kids. You know, like any parent, I just spent like a squillion dollars on Christmas gifts, and half of them, they don't play with them anymore, like two weeks later, right? And so when they come to me, and they're like, hey, Dad, can I play on your phone? Can you download a game? And they want to download a game that's like $29.99. I'm like, no, I'm cool. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to download the light version. Anybody with me? Any parents in the house of God say amen to that? And so the light version, if you're not familiar with that, the light app, it's a sample of the real thing, and it allows me to experience the benefits without having to put any bucks out. You know what I'm saying? And so it's pretty cool at first, but just after a while, it starts to feel like I'm in Groundhog Day. You know what I mean? Like it's like I beat level one and I can't go anywhere. I got to do level one all over again. And that's the great shame. And the one setback of a light app is that I never get to go to the next level. I never get to fully experience everything that that game was designed for. And I wonder, I wonder how many Christ followers are stuck in the same pattern. We're just kind of stuck where we started. And it's like, man, I don't really want to have to put any skin in the game. And, and on the outside, on the surface, everything looks really great. I kind of look the part of a Christian. I like listen to 95.5 The Fish on my way to and from work. And I wear Christian t-shirts and I come to church and I kind of do my thing. And I even like sing and participate. Sometimes I read my Bible. But if you would just kind of like cut me open and just see what's really inside, it's kind of like Jesus minus sacrifice. Jesus minus commitment. And there's just something about it that feels like Jesus light version. Christianity light. And here's the great tragedy. We never experience everything that God has for us. We never go to the next level with God. And if you're kind of in that place this morning and you can honestly say here on online later as you watch in the archive, if you can honestly say like, man, that is me. This is where I find myself. I'm just kind of stuck where I started. Just stalled out, stagnant. This, this is what we're talking about today. And so I want to ask you like, maybe what, what are some things that you're taking away? What are some things that you're taking away from your relationship with God? It's like the glory cloud just came in here. This is pretty awesome. All right, so, so listen, maybe, maybe we talked about Jesus minus sacrifice. I wanna give you two categories that I think all of us uh, can, really, can really have a tension with in our culture. Maybe for some of us, it's Jesus minus truth. And for some of us, it's Jesus minus grace. Let me explain what, what I mean. There's kind of a war on truth right now in our culture. Can y'all agree with that? 
I don't know if, you, if you've noticed this at, at your kid's elementary school, based on the conversations I'm having with my eight-year-old and six-year-old, these are the things they're talking about in school. This is the reality. Uh, it goes all the way through high school and of course in college. You'll hear statements like this, there is no absolute truth. You ever heard that said? Like you could never tell me that, that your truth is not truth and you can't tell me my truth isn't truth. There's no absolute truth. And, and that's interesting to me. It really kind of seems like circular reasoning because here's what they're saying. They are making an absolute statement that there is no absolute truth, right? It's circular reasoning. And if you ever wanna just have some fun with somebody that tells you that, the next time that someone says there is no absolute truth, you can just ask them, are you absolutely sure? And they won't, they won't know what to do with that. That's for free. But listen, for so many of us, I can tell you, Believer's Church, we value the truth. In Jesus, void of purity, Jesus minus holiness isn't Jesus at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus made the statement about himself. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And the truth sets you free. So if we don't want to embrace truth, if it's Jesus minus truth, we never live in freedom. Truth is important, but let me, let me just tell you my observation. I think all of us know the Christian that loves truth so much that they forget to love people. Anybody relate to that? And listen, it can't just be Jesus and truth. It's got to be Jesus and truth and grace. Some of us subtract grace from the equation too. And last time I checked, it's actually God's kindness that leads us to want to know the truth. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's got to be both and. Now, I love this quote from Jimmy Evans. He says, truth without grace is kind of like surgery without anesthesia. But grace without truth is kind of like a bottle with no medicine inside. And can, can you see that in our culture? That, that some churches so embrace grace that there's no standard anymore. There's no holiness. There's, there's no purity. There's, there, there's no part of Jesus' character reflected in their life. But some people, they so hold on to truth that they forget to love the people. And let me just tell you something. I have never seen anybody drawn to Jesus because of judgment. It's God's kindness and his grace, the grace in his voice that makes them want to hear about the truth. So, so I want to ask you this morning, like maybe what is it in your life that, that you are subtracting in your relationship? What is it? Jesus minus fill in the blank. Here, here's the next one. Let's talk about Jesus Plus, Jesus plus, what are we adding into the mix? Do you ever notice in our world today and in our culture, we're constantly told that what used to be essential is no longer essential and now you need this, right? It's kind of the nature of the beast with consumerism. It's like, yeah, last year I had this phone and it has all these features, but now they added this one new feature. So the phone that, it, that I had that's perfectly fine I have to have this new phone because otherwise we would only ever buy one phone, right? I don't want you to think about this like, like washing machines. Think about how they used to function. Like it used to be that they had like one or two settings in a washing machine. I actually have a friend whose parents still have their original washing machine from 50 years ago and it still works and they maintenance it every now and then. I'm like, I've had like seven washing machines in the last three years. Like what is going on? Why is it? Well, it's probably because of like poor engineering and poor materials, but mainly I think it's because they want to drive you to have a need for the product so you keep coming back for more. And it all, it all rests in this term that I think people that are familiar with business or marketing or 
product. You, you'll know this. It's called feature creep. Some people call it featureitis. Let me just give you the definition. Feature creep is the tendency of companies to constantly add and update new features, which inevitably lead to complex products that are confusing and hard to use. So here's, here's feature creep in a nutshell. It's when the features kind of outweigh the function. And the thing that this was actually, this product was designed to do in the first place, it gets overshadowed by all the extra stuff. And it's like, we say it's essential, but is it really? I don't know. I'll give you a good example. How about the Swiss Army knife? I think most of us are familiar with this. Maybe we have one. And uh, this is the classic one. We all, we all kind of know. Like, and I think we could argue, we could make a case for every one of those features on the classic and say, yeah, I have a basic need at some point in my life for all of these features. But, but over time, because of feature creep, here's, here's what's happened. Now, the, the latest model, they brag that they have 80 essential features. Take a look at this one. 80 essential features, that's just funny. And guess what, it's until next year when they have one more feature and then it will be 81 essential features. And we'll say, how did we ever not live with this, you know? This is the nature of the beast. And um, I'll give you another example. How about Microsoft Word? There was this TED talk that was done well over 10 years ago now. I think all of us use Microsoft Word and could agree it's pretty essential. It helps us with our reports and, and with our presentations and it helps us to write. That's the function, right? But, but somewhere along the line, like they just keep adding these features. And I'm showing, I, I wanna show you what it looks like on the toolbar when you allow every one of the features that Microsoft Word has to actually show up on, on the Word. Can, can you look at that? This is without the paperclip, right? Because now the paperclip helps us to figure out what all the features are. This is feature creep in the flesh. This is what it looks like. And can, can you just notice, notice at the very bottom, the original function of Microsoft Word to write words there's about a half an inch left to actually do what it is designed to do. Now, I'm, I'm having fun, and I don't think it's a big deal to have all those features, but can we just think about what this means, the implications in our relationship with God? Are some of us just kind of crowding out Jesus in the equation of our Christianity? And it's like Jesus was the only thing that mattered when I got started. It was a simple gospel. It was Jesus and Jesus alone. But somewhere along the way, I just started adding things. And I've convinced myself that these are the essentials, but they're really not at all. And I wanna just, I wanna, I, I want you to think about this. Let's talk about this idea of just Jesus by going back to 2 Corinthians 11. Remember, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. And, and let's just read this with a fresh set of eyes now. Listen to what he says. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Now, I think it's interesting that he mentions Eve because what was Adam and Eve? What was the original sin that, that allowed sin to enter into mankind? Well, if you break it down on its most basic level, they listened to the lie that God was not enough. Think about this. God says you can have all of this every tree in the garden that produces fruit except this one tree. And you know what they said? No, 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 I need God plus this. I need Jesus plus the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They listen to the lie that God is not enough. And let me just tell you something. If you don't remember anything else from this message, remember this. If Jesus isn't enough, then you haven't experienced enough of Jesus. If Jesus and everything that he is isn't satisfying you, I don't think you've truly encountered him. And can I just tell you something? 
the root cause. Anytime I talk to somebody that's kind of struggling in their relationship with God, and hey, if that's you, welcome. Like we say, no perfect people allowed here for a reason, because God loves you right where you are. He just loves you way too much to let you stay there. And so here, here's what I've found. Anytime somebody struggles in a relationship with God, it is rooted in a lack of an encounter with God. And that's why Jesus isn't enough, because we haven't experienced enough of Jesus. And I thought it would be helpful this morning if I could just maybe restore a sense of awe and wonder at how big God is. Is that cool? Can I just remind us for a second at BC of how big and amazing God is? Let, let, let me just, let me ask you this. Can you remember a moment where somebody told you about a really cool restaurant? And like, there was just something in you that didn't want to like it. You know what I mean? When people find it first, you're like, nah, it's cool. I, it's probably not that great at all anyways. And, and then, but like, eventually, eventually you're like, you know what? I need to try this because 10 other people told me the same thing. Maybe they're right. And one of my friends was telling me about this restaurant. It's called Maggiano's. And at the time it was in Beachwood. It was kind of far away and I hadn't found a moment to get there. And uh, one of my friends, it was the same friend that told me that the Olive Garden was authentic Italian food. And I'm like, pass, no, you, you don't get to have an opinion anymore. And so, kidding. But, but I finally decided to go. And on the way up, that, you know, first of all, we prepped. We did not eat for several days. We, we starved ourselves in preparation for this moment. I was eating lettuce to expand my stomach. It got weird. But, um, but we, we get to this point where we're driving up to Beachwood. We got like an hour to talk about it. And they're just kind of giving me the rundown of what Maggiano's is all about. It's called Maggiano's Little Italy. It's family style. And they give you wave after wave after wave after wave of food. So you get there and the menu's pretty simple, but you have like four courses. So you get two salads, then you get two appetizers, then you get two entrees, then you get two desserts. And anytime you run out of any of these options, you just signal the waiter and they bring you a brand new plate. It's never ending. It literally is limitless. And so I made the rookie mistake of eating salad, pass next time, don't do that, don't waste your space. And so I ate salad and then I ate some appetizers. And by the time I got to the main course, I had no room, but I plowed through anyways, like a, like a good Christian man. And, and so I got to the point where we were at the final course. I had zero space available, but, but this was the best, most glorious thing I've ever tasted. They brought out something called Nona's pound cake. And if you've ever been to Maggiano's, this is worth the entire trip. It was the best dessert to this day I've ever had. And you could just keep asking them to bring it out over and over and over again. They serve it with ice cream. And on the way out into the parking lot, all of us are like a little bit sick. My friend, whose name is Foster, literally throws up in the parking lot and it hadn't even digested. The ice cream came out in the same form. Like, we're just like, come on, bro. <laughs> Some Pepto-Bismol or something. Like, but as we drove home, I kind of looked at him. I'm like, guys, why didn't you tell me about Maggiano sooner? And they looked at me and they're like, Joe, we begged you for a year and a half to come. And I'm like, I know, but, but now that I've been there, you didn't tell me the half of it. And had you just told me, I think I, I would have gotten there sooner. It was like, it was life-changing. Let me just tell you something. It sounds funny, but I think this is what heaven will be like just times a billion. Like, I think sometimes, if we're honest, we can get so familiar with God and the idea of heaven. It's just like blase. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I know. One day I'll go to heaven and I won't cry anymore. There'll be no tears. There'll be no pain. There'll be no anything that I struggle with here. But listen, listen, don't, don't miss what's on the other side because you've heard it too many times to appreciate it. You've got to fight against familiarity. 
in your faith and in your journey with Jesus. Let me help you do that this morning. Can I read to you a scene straight out of the Bible? This is what happens 24-7 around the throne of Jesus Christ. This is pretty incredible. Revelation 4-8, there's these creatures that literally all they're created to do is just worship God. It's pretty amazing. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. That's kind of the lousy position for eyes, just staring at the armpit. I don't know, just anyways, commentary from Joe. Day and night, they never stop saying, listen to this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And listen to this next part. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Now, time out. That sounds really cool in theory. (laughs) But as much as I love God and as much as I want to see him, I don't know if I could do that for all of eternity, like just in circles, round and round his throne, saying the same thing over and over again. It would almost be impossible unless with every revolution around God's throne, there was a new revelation of how big and how good God is. There's something about it that every time they circle the throne, they see a different part of God's character and who he is and how much he loves them. It kind of reminds me of my wife. I just celebrated 10 years of marriage to Aaron on December 28th, and it was pretty cool. And, you know, anybody that's married married for a while, you could just kind of get to the point where you're like, I think I literally know everything there is to know about this person. And then that's right at the moment when they surprise you with something you never saw coming, right? There's just something about it. And it's like, man, I didn't know that you did that. I didn't know that you thought that. I I didn't know that you said it that way. That's funny. That's cute. There's something about it. And it's like, here's how I can sum it up. Every time I see Aaron from a different angle, I love Aaron on a different level. that's, That's why you keep falling for each other because it's just like you rediscover each other all over again. And listen, if you grew up in a religious atmosphere, And the most you've ever known about God is that he's this rigid rule keeper and you just have to check what you're doing off of the chart every week so he doesn't get mad at you. You're missing out on the whole miracle of being a Christian to begin with because a relationship with God is built on the fact that every time you see God from a different angle, you love God on a different level. I don't know about you, but it's like every time that I come back to God and I think I really did it this time, there's no way he could accept me back. There's no way he could still have a plan for my life. He does. And it makes me love him all the more and it makes me wanna change. Now listen, if you're still struggling just a little bit, just a teensy bit with how big God is, listen to Psalm 36, five through nine. This isn't on the screen. Just listen and imagine it in your head. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty astronomic, his purpose, titanic, his verdict, oceanic, yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. You know, nothing is too big for God, but here's why I love him the most. Nothing's too small for him either. There's no detail in my life that God doesn't care about. That's why he says, you can cast your cares on me because I care about you. So anytime you feel familiarity creeping back into your relationship with God, oh man, just go right back to this scripture. Just go back to this reality that every time I see God from a different angle, I love God on a different level. Let me ask you this. What is it, if we're honest, that that we're adding to Jesus? 
Because here's the truth. Jesus plus nothing still equals everything. So what are we adding to Jesus that really doesn't belong there, that we think is essential, but man, it's not. Like I'll give you a good example. This is something that I think in the American church, we really have to see for what it is. In many of our lives, it is Jesus plus things. Jesus plus stuff. Just something about it. And I don't know about you, but sometimes if I just examine my prayers, it's like every time I come to God, my relationship revolves around what I can get from him, what he can do for me. It's like Jesus is my genie in a bottle. And he doesn't really hear from me most of the time until I need something from him. And don't, don't get me wrong, God loves meeting your needs. It's actually what he's best at. But here's a challenge. During this month, as we're going through this fast and we're praying and, and we're committing our lives to God, what if you just took some time every day and we didn't just pray for ourselves and our needs and the things that we want, and we just said, no, I'm gonna focus on Jesus because Jesus matters. I'm maybe even just gonna be still and let him speak to me. Here's a really big one. What if we just said, I'm gonna put the same effort and same tenacity into praying for other people that I do for praying for me? You know how much good could come from that? You know how much God could do with that? I think he could do a whole lot. And it's funny because sometimes I think we forget what the early church was signing up for. Can I tell you what they weren't signing up for? When the early church was created and they were being called to follow Jesus and Jesus paid the price of death and then rose again and went to heaven and they were commissioned to tell the world, here's what they weren't signing up for. They most certainly were not signing up for a better salary. They most certainly were not signing up for a better benefits package in dental or their business to do better. God's blessing and favor. God's blessing and favor oftentimes led them into danger, as a matter of fact. And when they decided to follow Jesus, we sanitized this, but here's what it probably meant. It probably meant that they could lose their relationships with their friends and even their family. It meant that they could go into poverty. It meant they could go into persecution. It even meant that they could go to death but still there was something inside of them that said, just Jesus is enough. All that I have in him outweighs everything that I can get in this world. This world has nothing for me. Listen, this is Paul again. And I love Paul because he really doesn't pull any punches. This is the same chapter we were reading out of in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three now. And he's kind of just putting a few people in their place. And he's saying like, hey, you think you've sacrificed? You think you've done some big things for God's kingdom? Take a listen to what I've been through. Listen to this. I think it's kind of funny. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Not one time, three shipwrecks. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked." End quote. Real poetic. I love Paul. So why, why do this? Why follow Jesus 
if that's what you're signing up for. It's kind of crazy because people would ask Paul, like, how do you deal with the persecution? And he says, well, to live, I'll live for Christ. And then if they're like, hey, aren't you afraid of dying? He's like, well, hey, to die would be gain because I'll get to go be with Christ. It's like, you, you can't win. I, I always win when it's just Jesus. And it's why the Bible says, God is our exceeding and great reward. And listen, don't miss this. Does God reward us for following him? Yes, but it's not the reason we follow him. Are we missing it? Are we adding some things into the equation that are not the essentials, not the simple gospel? You know what Paul knew? I think he knew what the psalmist knew. Psalm 16, five, he said this, you Lord are all I have. You give me all I need. My future is in your hands. Here's the reality. Here's what the Psalm is saying. If Jesus is all I have, then I have all I need. Everything that I could ever need is found in Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus plus, it's not Jesus minus. It's just Jesus. He's everything. You know, there's, there's this worship artist, his name is Carl Carty, and he struggled with, with this thing where every time he would get on the stage, it was just something that kind of confused him, messed with him a little bit. It's kind of this dichotomy because you're supposed to be up here pointing to Jesus, but, but sometimes it can be a little bit confusing to, to the part of you that wants glory yourself. And sometimes you can almost worship worship. And he would have these offers that would come from different conferences and his name started to get out there. And, and before he knew it, he just turned around and he realized, wow, I've gotten way off of center. I've drifted from the reason that I lead worship. And so he purposed in his heart in this moment to have this mindset. He said this, into great fame or complete obscurity, Jesus will be my greatest treasure. Because listen, it's not wrong if somebody has a bigger platform. Sometimes God gives them that to give more glory to Jesus. <laughs> but tell the missionary that's sacrificing their life and their comfort on the other side of the world and no one knows they exist except God. Tell them that God's plan is for them to be famous and they won't get it. This is an American idea and we're letting culture creep into Christianity if we're not careful. No, into great fame or, or complete obscurity. Jesus will be my greatest treasure. We're gonna end today a little bit different. You notice we, we saved a song for the end. So I'm gonna challenge you, you on this one thing here. I believe God wants to have a moment with every person that's here. And if you're kind of the person that's like, man, I get a little anxious, Joe, uh, after the service is done, I gotta leave a little bit early, get to the parking lot so I don't have to meet people I don't know. And can, can I just challenge you for a second? I think, I think God is wanting to do something incredible. And sometimes I wonder how many moments have we missed where God was literally gonna change our life, but because we were a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit afraid, we missed it. So I'm gonna ask you to, to be respectful of that moment and invite God to do something and to speak to you. And I, I wanna just challenge you with this thought. I think for, for me personally, I can just, if I'm being transparent, I can't tell you how many moments of worship I've missed out on because I'm concerned about something that really doesn't matter at all. 
here's a good audit of your worship life. This is just the people that have been in church a while. If you come to worship and, and it's not the song that you prefer or you can't have the seat that you usually sit in, do you still worship? I don't know about you, but like I've had plenty of moments where I'm like, oh, that song again? I think God's tired of that song by now. Let's, let's get that out of the rotation, please. And I just missed the whole moment. But you know what maturity says? It says, man, I can worship God to anything. I can worship God to a fiddle, a banjo, a beat. I can worship God to anything because I'm that hungry for him. And when you're truly hungry, you're not picky. You ever just been so hungry, you're hangry. It's like, I will take food in any form. Listen, sometimes we miss out on God's presence because we're stuck on our preference. And so this song we're gonna sing, it might be kind of an oldie for you. Maybe you've never heard it a day in your life, but I picked it for a reason. It's called The Heart of Worship. And it's all about this worship leader who was noticing the same tendency in his own life and in his own church. Just about making worship about all of the other things, adding to the simple gospel. And so the beginning of the song, it says, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and I just simply come to God, just longing to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. God just does something in that moment. So before we do that, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're gonna have one final moment of worship. But before we do that, I wanna give a very simple invitation. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, or maybe this is your very first time in church. All of us are confronted with a very simple question. At the end of eternity, nothing else will matter. It's just, what did we do with Jesus? How did we respond to the simple gospel? And here's the simple gospel. We were sinners in need of a savior, broken by our sin, and the price we pay for sin is death, separation from God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to bridge the gap, to bring us back to where we belong in relationship with him. And it's really simple. All we have to do is respond to the free gift. Romans says, if you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. And so if you could say, Joe, I, I can't remember a moment where I put Jesus in the driver's seat, where I gave him complete control, this is your moment. And listen, it's not about perfection. This is about taking a step. For some of you, you prayed this prayer a long time ago, but this is gonna be a moment where you can recommit your life to God and just say, God, from this point on, it's just Jesus. And so there are so many that have already prayed this prayer. Can you help us by repeating this after me? I really believe a miracle is gonna happen in your heart. Pray this with me. Say, God, thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice he made for me. God, I'm sorry for the sins I've committed, for the ways I've fallen short, but thank you that Jesus, in all of his perfection, stood in my place, imperfect me, and loved me right where I was. And now I commit to follow you the rest of my life. I won't be perfect, but every day I'll take a step. I am a Christian in Jesus' name.
just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. You sing, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. You sing King of Endless Work. King of endless word, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, sing, I'll bring. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart come on we sing so i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry. For the thing I made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus It's all about you It's all about you Sing, I'm laying down So I'm laying down All my religion I want to know you, Lord. I'm laying down all my religion. I'm laying down. Come on, let's tell that today. So I'm laying down all my religion. I'm laying down. I want to know you.
Come on, we say. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.